Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Oscars Playback on the Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce saying, Joyce, it's a time for another edition of Oscars Playback. We're going all the way back to the 1994 Oscars, or as I like to call it, I don't care. You've, you've got the hands. Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, he's like this, right? Tommy Lee and uh, the future that we're doing. I don't, I don't, care. I don't yeah. care. Great. Uh, no, 1994 Oscars choice. I, so uh, as we usually do here, we'll start with 1993 in film. Our favorite, th- this podcast sponsored by the Wikipedia page for TK year in film. Uh, overall thoughts, Joyce, go ahead. What do you think? Um, a great year. I remember this year very well uh, as a child. It was uh, lots of great movies this year. Obviously Jurassic Park. Huge hit. I, I- I feel like every year, every one of these we've done, I'm like, oh, I didn't see a lot of movies as a kid in theaters. And then I'm like, oh, I saw every one of these movies in theaters. Uh, I so- saw most of these. Yeah. So I was eight in 93. So how, <laughs> let me do some math here quick. You were 15. <laughs> okay. So Jurassic Park was the number one movie. I saw it like literally four times in the movie theater. Absolutely loved it. It was great. Yeah. And it's just, it's funny to me because I feel like every subsequent movie in the series is a downgrade. Like absolutely true uh we could do jurassic park right now so it was the number one it had almost a billion dollars worldwide it was an absolute phenomenon uh absolutely true I, I remember at the time lost world when it came out a few years later i was like oh that was not good i revisited lost world a few years ago and i'm like it's actually pretty good it's it's like lesser spielberg but it's still spielberg then jurassic park yeah, 3 is uh not good and then uh jurassic world is not good and so I've never seen any of the Jurassic Worlds, but I know a lot of people who have seen them and they all concur that not great Bob.gif. Definitely not great Bob. Uh, I, I think Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is truly a, a really bad movie. Uh, that's the second one. I had not even seen the third one. I, I was so disappointed in the second one of the world franchise that I just decided I don't need to see this new one. You know, you're not going to get me to see it even if you bring back Laura and no. Sam everyone so no but the first one is unimpeachably great and not surprised that it was the number one movie it holds up like you can remember when the first jurassic world was coming out uh seven years ago now yeah and you know there is that video comparing the visual effects from the original and world and the effects in the original one look so much better because it's not it's like a mix of computer like cg and practical dinosaurs it's great (laughs) like it's and, the worst. But like but now it's like all CG and it's just mm. well, I I think they brought back some practical stuff for the, the new one. At least I saw that online. I wouldn't know because I didn't see it. Still not gonna see it. Uh number two movie was Mrs. Doubtfire, Joyce. I guarantee great you were into that one. Amazing movie. So great. Number three, the fugitive. And, and fantastic movie. Love the fugitive. Dawn in theaters. Love it. I, I watched that a lot um uh, when I was a kid. I have not seen it in a while. 
No, actually, that's not true. I saw it two years ago. I watched it a couple but years ago. I had not seen it before that in a while. Still rules. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four is Schindler's List, which is amazing that it was the fourth highest grossing movie of the year. We mentioned this. I think I brought this up last week at the end of our 1992 uh, Oscar. What, what were we doing last time? It was 93. just the previous year. <laughs> it was the previous year. 93 Oscars. Uh, Schindler's List was such a big deal that we actually went as a school field trip and saw it in the theater. Like it was like, you have to see this movie. And he, as we'll see in, in the ceremony, as it sweeps through, it was a big deal that it was like, it, it, when it wins Best Picture, Steven Spielberg is like, please teach about the Holocaust in class. Like it was like, hey, remember the Holocaust kind of like a, as a teaching thing. You know what I mean? Like Now we're not, not even teaching math and science. So, so uh, no, it was a major deal. A humongous uh, historical epic. Steven Spielberg, two of the top five movies here on the list. Just uh, He also had to he had to finish Jurassic Park before he could start on Schindler's List. Yeah. That was like part of the deal. Yeah. I saw Schindler's List. Um, I saw it like a few months after it came out. I didn't see it in theater, but I think I just saw it at home at some point. And then I, I also saw it in school in sixth grade. They showed it to us in sixth grade. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I, my memory of it is, and, but I have seen it since I saw it in like school. Um, so like, that's a big spread, but I don't remember the last time I saw it. But I will say it's one of the It's not really things- a movie you uh like it's not quite it's not rewatchable, like it's a great film, but you have to be in the, the right mood to yeah, it's not gonna, it. You're not gonna hear Bill Simmons doing most rewatchables, uh most rewatchable stuff about uh, the Schindler's list. But yeah, one of the things I was always fascinated by about it is that it's like such a obviously devastating, serious subject matter, and yet the Spielberg is such a great filmmaker that it's so it is actually it's weird. It's not rewatchable, let's say, as we consider like Mrs. Doubtfire, but it is like incredibly like watchable and compelling. And he makes it so like, yeah. And it's so long, but essential. you feel it. And it's not like, it is just so watch. It's like, it's like a perfect use of the medium of film where it's like not a homework assignment, but you're actually like being able to show people uh, something they've not seen before, let's say. And it is like, now I think it's a cliche probably to think like Oscars and like, talking about world war ii and the holocaust and stuff but like this was like not totally uh it was like not a new thing but you know what i mean it was not it is not like overdone at the time like i think schindler's list was like the start of a trend let's say there were a lot of important movies yeah important i think is the right word and it's a great moment and honestly we'll talk about this during the ceremony just a wonderful ceremony every one of these winners is great every one of these speeches is incredibly emotional and compelling and spielberg is such a deserving winner i think for this that it's just like really holds up uh we'll get to that number five is the firm which i just rewatched joyce over two days over two days because i fell asleep watching it uh the other night uh here's what i remember about the firm the firm was obviously a major major book John Grisham. This is a big year for John Grisham, as we'll get to later on this list, because uh, it's like the peak of John Grisham as a movie kind of like movie guy. Uh, I remember this was like one of the first adult books I read. I didn't never. I'm not a reader, Joyce. Writers don't read. We write, as we know. Nick Miller once said. But this and Jurassic Park were two books that I actually did read as like a teen, and I remember reading The Firm and like being like, oh, it's like a little edgy because it's like obviously not for like a 14 or 15 year old, but. I was like, it's enjoyable. And I didn't see The Firm in the theater, but I did see it like later that year on VHS. And I remember the book being, I remember being like slightly disappointed because I think the book is still better. And then watching the film again the other night, I was like, oh, I'm not sure Tom Cruise works. I I don't (laughs) like, I don't think he works in it. I don't know what it is about him in this movie, but 
it's just like a weird performance, especially coming off of a few good men and like in the waiting for like interview with the vampire and the mission impossible, like come after this. So it's like weird, but still a pretty watchable movie. Cindy Pollack, uh, good director and a lot of really, really great actors in this just eating the scenery. So it's fun. Watch it's on HBO max. If you're watching this and are like, Oh, I want to check it out again. You should. I haven't seen it in a while, but I did like it back in the day. Um, I remember really liking the score because it's like tinkly and yeah, then Dave, it's Dave, and uh, him running a lot. That's when a lot of running. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, running. of running. Dave Grushin did the score and it's very jazzy. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, I don't, like Gene Hackman, great. So it's office. funny, Gene Hackman, uh, great, but also not in it as much as you'll remember. And as you were telling me, he came in late because he they were actually yes, wanted. Yes, this is something I vividly recall because, yeah, he came in late and then there was like a billing issue. So that's why Gene Hackman is not. So I looked uh, this up after you. Material. I looked this up after you talking about it. They had wanted Meryl Streep to play this part, which would have been really funny because it would have been a little bit, honestly, the character Gene Hackman plays ends up being like, he's a bad guy but like who is trying to make it good kind of like he's done a lot of bad things and at the end he's like oh like i've made mistakes like it's like he's like a cautionary tale for tom cruise's character basically um so they want a meryl in that part which would have been a little bit like her like manchurian candidate i think part but like not as sinister and then john grisham was like absolutely no we're not going to change the gender of this character that's at least what it says on wikipedia i don't know if this is true or not and then uh then they were like, okay, Gene Hackman. But Gene Hackman only wanted to come in if he could get top billing over above the title. And that was only Tom Cruise above the title. So he's credited actually above the title, I think in the film, but not on the poster. Yeah, it's always, uh, you know, a lot, lot of fine lines with contracts and stuff. This is like similar to what happened with Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven. He's not yeah. billed at all. He's completely no. uncredited because he wanted to be above the title with like Brad and George and Matt and everyone. Right. But they were Good. like, no. So he's just not credited in the first one at all. Great. Uh, number six on the list was Indecent Proposal. This was a, a hot movie at the time, Joyce. Definitely one I definitely, I saw on cable. It was. Um, not really into it, but I understand why people are into it. So yeah, Demi Moore off of like a peak amount of fame. Uh, Woody Harrelson off of like White Men Can't Jump kind of fame. Robert and Redford. It's great. Cliffhanger, saw this in the theater. Great Stallone, peak era Stallone. Rennie Harlan, just in the pocket. Love it so much. Uh, great movie. No notes. I love the, the promo material of just him hanging. Just so good. Hanging. So, so good. Great villain by uh, John Lithgow and, and, and just a fun time. Sleepless in Seattle. Love Sleepless in Seattle. Great movie, holds up. Uh, Philadelphia, number nine at the box office. What a year. This is just, like, these are great movies and like that they made a lot of money. It's just so heartening. Nowadays, it's not like this, but Tom Hanks again. Back to back, Tom. Well, also, the first big mainstream AIDS film. They had yeah, no as we'll talk about <laughs> here. Tom Hanks actually recently said, like, oh, it would never get, he would never be able to play, nor should he have played, not now. If it, they were made in Philadelphia now, like a gay actor would have played Andrew Beckett, who is his character in Philadelphia. And I think that's absolutely true. But I, I also think it does not in disservice, but obviously, like, this was such a huge movie. And I think. Uh, it really put, you know, AIDS in mainstream Hollywood and culture in a way that it hadn't been. It, there was no other movie. I think, and the band played on was like an HBO movie that had focused on the AIDS crisis. 
And then Philadelphia was like the first actual movie with real movie stars to do so. So it was well, like yeah, that was the whole point of casting him is to make right. people comfortable because right. you like and him. There's like oh, like full like sections in Inside Oscar, which again you don't have. The and I don't read Joyce, so you'll have to tell me. But yeah, yeah that's the idea around the movie. Yeah, and I think no, it's- so like like Nora Ephron, who directed obviously Sleep in Seattle, um, said like you know it like that Philadelphia was lucky having quote boy next door Tom Hanks playing the protagonist quote there's something familiar about Tom and people find it easy to relate to him and that hammers home an important truth about AIDS that it's in your neighborhood and could happen to anybody end quote right pretty great and I mean like watching his watching you know watching I. My main takeaway from this Oscar choice is, uh, as we did last week, Billy was terrible last week, right? And the uh, 1990, 1993 Oscars. He doesn't come back. Whoopi hosts for the first time. We've actually done this so out of order that we are we did already Whoopi second time hosting, which was, I think, 1996, right? Yes. Get confused on the years. But uh, I didn't think she was very good at first time here. I think she's like a little stiff and like, it's a tough ceremony because you have the winners are Schindler's List in Philadelphia, basically winning like a lot of awards and the piano. These are all like really serious, heavy dramas about like, you know, weighty issues and, and all these different things. But all the speeches are wonderful. And I think Tom Hanks' speech is like all time. And I'm sure we'll talk about that because it like launched. Well, it's a, one of the most famous speeches. <laughs> certainly one of the most famous speeches, but it's really, and it, really. it gave really us perfect. in and out. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then the ni- the 10th movie was Pelican Brief. Uh, at the box office, another John Grisham movie, Julie Roberts and Denzel. So looking at this again, just like peak star era, lots of major stars, Harrison Ford, Robin Williams, a couple of Tom Hanks, a couple of Denzels, a Julia Roberts, Sylvester Stallone, Demi Moore. And also Denzel was someone similar to Meryl uh, who John Grisham did not want in this film. Yes, yes. Bad bad call John Grisham there because he's great uh, in these movies. Um, so those are the top movies at the box office. And then obviously, Joyce, I wrote down about 400 movies that were great this year. I'm just going to start reading off some. You tell me what you got to. The most notable one, I think, that we could talk about, there's a few. Uh, but Groundhog Day was a huge movie for me. Loved it so much. Still love it. Great movie. I've not seen it in a while. Um, but very funny. Great movie. Great Broadway production also. That was a great musical that closed too soon. It was wonderful. Uh, Sandlot. Sandlot, iconic film, um, up there in the pantheon of great 90s kids movies, obviously with the Mighty Ducks trilogy. And I told you this last week that it's my fourth most watched film of my life. Obviously the Mighty Ducks trilogy is the top three. Right. And then Sandlot, it's like, it's like several rungs and then Sandlot four and then five would be Saving Private Ryan. So that those are my top five most watched films. (laughs) But Uh, great film, yeah. Dave uh, with Kevin Klein. Love Dave. Great movie. Loved it so much. Uh, Sliver. Here's an interesting story about Sliver. It's got Sharon Stone and Billy Baldwin. And I remember I went to see it, but it was R, obviously. So we had seen Basic Instinct on VHS. So clearly, like, excited about seeing another Sharon Stone R-rated movie. But had to sneak in. And, like, I remember like not telling my parents that I was going to see it. I think we like lied and said we we're seeing something else because it's like, oh, how are we going to get in to see Sliver? And the thing about Sliver is it's not good. Uh, it's pretty boring, I think. And like compared to Basic Instinct, which is like not just titillating, but also like really good and like exciting. Sliver is like a real downgrade. Uh, not not the not what you want. No, I remember I watched this when I was like 12 on TV and I was just like, this is boring. There's a great, uh, a lot of UB40 songs though. Uh, yes, I love UB40 yeah. though. 
Uh, another one that I was like, one of my first theatrical, uh, hmm, maybe this isn't that good. Last Action Hero, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not really into that one either. Now that's gotten like a little bit of, I think, a, like a reconsideration and people are kind of more into it now, but I haven't revisited it in literally like this long, like whatever, how many years ago this is, 30 years. So I'm not 20. 29. <laughs> so I'm not actually sure if it holds up, but uh, that was it. Yeah, Here's I haven't, I, I, I've only seen it once and I was not. Here's what I loved and another story. I saw this one in the, uh, there used to be a Cineplex Odeon in Soundview, Joyce, in Port Washington. Now I think it's long closed. Saw In the Line of Fire there, great movie. And uh, as it was getting to its climax, the projector broke. Wow. And we had to go back the next day and watch the rest. But I love In the Line of Fire. Great Clint Eastwood movie, really entertaining. Great John Malcolm. Was it like a special showing for you guys or did you just attend another screening? We just went to another screening. They were just like, oh, the theater broke, come back tomorrow, basically. Well, you don't have to pay. It was like probably like a voucher or something for the ticket. But Really great movie. Loved it so much. Uh, yes, very good. Rookie of the Year. We talked Love about this kind of last year. week. Great. Henry Rowan Gardner, I believe. Um, And also directed by Daniel Stern. So. Who's in it? Mm-hmm. This is a great time for Daniel Stern. Home Alone, this. Man. Coming off of Wonder Years. <laughs> uh, this one I never got into, but I know that ni- there's a lot of 90s kids who like it. I wouldn't be surprised if you like it. Hocus Pocus. Love Hocus Pocus. And today the sequel trailer just dropped. Yeah, we're recording this on Tuesday and the trailer just went up. Uh, the Sanderson sisters are back, Joyce. I think that means something to people who like um, I don't, so like I, I'm totally fine like not having sequels and like spinoffs of my favorite shows and films. So I don't need a sequel. Um, so like I'll watch it, but I'm just like, I'm not like hyped about it. Like a lot of people are. <laughs> Like, I'm fine. Like, once things are over, they're over. Like, I'm fine moving right. on from things. We don't need know. to come back. It doesn't need you to don't come need to come back. back. You don't need to re- revive shit. Right. Just watch the, yeah, we watch, can watch the, the first one. Yeah. Right. Uh, here's another one of uh, Chris Reed's books. So it's a small list, but uh, Rising Sun, which was a Michael Crichton book that they turned into a movie with Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery. Read this book. Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. Read this book and then saw the movie at home. Uh, not very good movie, if I remember correctly. But I love Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes. So I was like, I'm definitely into this. And the book, I remember being like, again, a little like trashy, scandalous. And it was like, oh, Michael Crichton, he did Jurassic Park. I should read this book. Uh, other ones I wrote down. So I Married an Axe Murderer. That one I didn't see in the theaters, but definitely loved it uh, on VHS. And now revisited, I never revisited it, but apparently it was the basis of a, a Netflix show that exists called The Pentaveret with yes. Mike Myers. That he, he based off of that like, like yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that he based off like a joke from this movie, uh, but a good movie. True Romance, love it. No Notes, Saw It on Home on VHS, great Tony Scott, just all time. Yeah, I haven't watched that one in a while. Either. Really quite good. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's just problematic in 5 million different ways, uh, but I really enjoyed it at the time. Uh, Dazed and Confused, Saw It on VHS. Obviously a notorious flop that is uh, lived on as a cult classic. Um, other ones I wrote down, let me see. Oh, Demolition Man. Saw that in the theater. Loved it. What a time for Stallone and Wesley Snipes. They're just in all these movies. That I remember. Um, so then when Speed came out, I was like, oh, it's Sandra Bullock from Demolition. Yeah, that's exactly right. She was like, that was that's how you knew her. Demolition Man, Sandra Bullock. 
Uh, a couple more, and then uh, I'll I'll stop filibustering. Rudy, which I think we talked about previously, great movie, all time. Sports is Rudy. There's also Cool Runnings. Yes, love Cool Runnings. Although I have not, I watched that a lot when I was a kid, but I haven't watched that um, again in a while either. Um, but yeah. Oh, and there's um, Big Year for Elijah Wood, The Good Son. So yeah, we were talking about this. He was like a major factor of his Oscars. I didn't understand why. You said it was The Good Son with Macaulay Culkin. What else? The Good Son and also The Ventures of Huck Finn, obviously. That was all this year. Yes. So he Did was you like, not watch The Ventures of Huck Finn? I'd never seen it. You need to rectify that. Is it on Disney Plus? Um, I don't know where it's on, but I mean, it is from Disney, so it should be. <laughs> I have not watched this in a while either. But it's it's great. Uh, um, Jason Robards is in it. Big year for Jason Robards as well. Yeah, he's in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, uh, and Courtney B. Vance wow. is in it. So obviously it's based on Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Right. Um, but yeah, I was telling you that Elijah Wood was very famous to me when I was a child because he was in a lot of films, um, you know, child actor. And as we'll see during the Oscars, probably the best presenter. He's really into it. He's quite good. Well, you, do you know the drama of what happened and how he got the gig? No. Because Macaulay Culkin, famously, he was supposed to do it. Um, but, you know, his dad, famous stage dad, Kit Culkin, uh, had issue with one of the jokes because like, if he was supposed to do visual effects and then a dinosaur, they, they do it with Elijah Webb and dinosaur is supposed to come out with like the winner. And then the joke, I think Whoopi's supposed to say it is like, oh, like that's your dad, you know, basically like he's old. And Kit did not like that. So then he's like, Macaulay's not presenting. Wow. So I did not know this. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. I had issues with that present presentation because as we'll talk about, because it was obviously the fix is in for Jurassic Park, but it felt like don't have the dinosaur come out. I mean, like, I don't know. It's not fair to the other nominees. It's like, oh, haha, here's the dinosaur from Jurassic Park that obviously it's going to win an Oscar. I mean, is that any worse than having presenters present a category in which their film is nominated? No, which we've seen multiple times in this show, actually. <laughs> There's a lot of examples of that here. Um, the other two I wanted, one uh, one other one I want to bring up, Nightmare Before Christmas, which I remember watching at the time. You like now. that a lot. I have not seen that in a while. And you know what's my first memory of that movie? It's what? Um, it's one of the, the trailer before... Um, on the on the D2 the Muddy Ducks VHS so whenever I put in my VHS of D2 the Muddy Ducks one of the first there's like two you know movie ads in the beginning and one of them was the Nightmare Before Christmas so I always fast forward through it to well, get to here the Joyce I have, a, I have a prop here wow on VHS it's one of these guys the puffy case man puffy case so yeah my daughter really loves this movie now so I've seen about 400,000 it has great songs Really great songs. I, I didn't actually see it. I think I remember I rented it at the time. It's also like 80 minutes, which is mm -hmm. great. And another thing is that you think it's directed by Tim Burton, but it's not. It, no, no. It's Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas because he just produced it, but it's Henry Selleck who directed it. Mm -hmm. uh, this really is like how movie. people think like Shonda Rhimes created How to Get Away with Murder. It's like, yes. no, she's just a producer. It's Pete Nellox. So that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, and any other movies? I wrote down a ton more, but I'm gonna I'll I'll, I'll put a pin in it. On um, my end. Free Willy. Did you watch Free Willy? I was never into Free Willy. Rude. Um, Malice. So Malice rules came out on my birthday weekend, and I remember being wow. so psyched about it. 
and uh, never saw it until VHS. Fantastic twist ending. I still think the ending holds up. And there's a great scene with Anne Bancroft where she plays like just the biggest drunk. And it's so good, I think. I just love that. I love that performance. She's really, really good at it for like one scene. I really enjoy Nicole. It's funny watching Nicole and obviously you have the Alec Baldwin who's now fraught, but a great I am a, I am a God scene is awesome. And like Nicole is really good because it was one of those, I mean, it's probably such a silly twist. And I bet you if you showed it to people now, they'd just be like, who cares? But I remember the time being like, oh, Nicole is the good, like she's Nicole Kidman. She's not going to be like the evil guy. And then she's the bad guy, right? Like it's like, she's in on it. And it's like a really good twist. I feel. And it's, it's by our guy, Aaron Sorkin and Scott Frank. (laughs) great it feels a lot more like scott frank than aaron sorkin honestly it's true yeah um oh what's eating gilbert grape never actually seen it how about that wow wow i watched it i wouldn't say a lot when i was younger but frequently have not seen it in a while but a lot of great performances in that film um beethoven second never went to the beethovens either i feel like i was too old for that so rude so rude adam's family values Good man. Adam Sandler was good. Too legit to quit was in that one, right? Yes. Too legit. Yeah. Too legit to quit. Um, I watched this in in school in indoor day. Uh, for recess, The Secret Garden, which I like the book, but I did not like the movie. I don't think I have a lot of recollection of the movie. Uh, yeah, it like, but I remember because like you know, the because recess is only like thirty minutes, so it took like multiple days to get through the movie and i just remember being like we got to finish this and like let's wrap it up we need it's to like me on. with the firm joyce it's like my own <laughs> it's like how i watch the firm multiple days um and then oh the joy luck club yep. which i just remember my dad being like oh look they finally made a movie with asians <laughs> it was a big honestly it was yeah. a big deal because yeah, it was so like that's, oh, how, that's no. why we watched it and then you know it took another 25 years before they didn't made another one yes. but also a big deal for me personally because lauren tom and ming na wen are in this movie mm-hmm. and then like later this year friends and er premiere and they're both on those shows sure so, yeah. uh one of the ones i wrote down um oh come on, a, a bronx tale i was really into oh yeah yeah a bronx tale I never I saw that on VHS like years later probably that was like a big one for us in college. Uh, mm-hmm. Good. Oh, De Niro. and this boy, this boy's life, another Leo joint. Yep. Um. Oh, oh, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. I, I was reading. I forget which movie John Leguizamo was going to do. Oh, it was Philadelphia actually. Oh, yeah, it was Philadelphia. He was going to play Miguel. Yeah, he was going to play the oh, Antonio Banderas part, yeah. and then uh, he left to do uh, Luigi in in uh, Super Mario Brothers. No notes. Sure. No regrets, truly. Uh, yeah, it, the one thing I would say watching this, I feel like, or looking at these lists, it feels like a lot of solid B B plus studio movies that like nobody is like going to be walking around being like, man, you know what movie was awesome in the line of fire? No one's talking about that movie right now, but it was a good movie. It's just like a solid movie. It's just like since the recession, a lot of these mid-budget movies are not made anymore. Right, and this whole list is mid-budget movies. And even like, obviously like Jurassic Park it's like the top grossing movie so it's not hard to be like oh like it's like this but I mean every other one of these movies is like not a major it's not a it's like Mrs. Doubtfire The Fugitive Schindler's List The Firm all these movies are like pretty mid-budget like genre movies it's like a solid year for that I feel like yeah I mean that's most of the 90s really until the recession and then now it's just like IP all the time 
and reboots, revivals. So, <laughs> so that's what the Oscars was. Uh, so we, I left out some movies because obviously we're going to talk about them here. I think as we get to it. So the 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 nine, the sixty sixth annual Oscars, Joyce. It was also weird that they kept referring to it being sixty six. Yeah, I thought that was strange. Like too. multiple, it's not like it's sixty five, which I can understand, you know. Um, but yeah, because like Whoopi says it, it's another Monday ceremony. So it's Monday ceremony. It took place Monday, March twenty first, nineteen ninety four. Uh, it's another 9 p.m. 9 p.m., but three hours and 18 minutes, 15 minutes shorter than the previous year. So yeah. congratulations to Whoopi keeping it running a tight ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the viewership went up about half a million viewers. 46.2 million people watched Schindler's List uh, win Best And also Pick- Jurassic Park. You know, 10 Oscars in total for Steven Spielberg movies. Here are the, here's, uh, so Schindler's List led the way with 12 nominations. Then The Piano, The Remains of the Day had eight. The Fugitive and In the Name of the Father had seven. And then Age of Innocence, Philadelphia, five. Cliffhanger and Line of Fire and Jurassic Park, three. Schindler's List won seven Oscars. Jurassic Park won three Oscars. The Piano won three Oscars. And Philadelphia won two Oscars. What a great, I mean, this is just like all-time winners, I feel like. This is a really good ceremony. It really was a lot of good winners. Um, but yeah, we'll start- and even though it's, it's concentrated, like the multiple winners, it's just four films. Like those are pretty great films. And then you also have, you know, like Mrs. Doubtfire winning makeup. The other thing I found watching it, and you can tell me if you thought this too, is even though Schindler's just won seven Oscars, the way it's spread out is like really interesting throughout the ceremony because like it goes almost half the ceremony without winning anything because it doesn't I mean, win that's any also acting. what happened to La La Land. <laughs> right. But then it wins Best Picture and Best Director at the end. And it feels like, oh, it doesn't feel like as... I guess what I mean is it doesn't feel like as overwhelmingly like, oh my God, I can't believe Schindler's just won another Oscar. But I think the, the other thing is people... Ex- not only expected it to win but were ready for it to win and also wanted it to win like yes. they wanted it to win they wanted steven spielberg to win like there's a lot of quotes in inside oscar being like oh like oh like robert altman like he he knows um like he's gonna lose to steven spielberg and like like they're all they're all like fine with it it's like they know it's his time it's his time that was the big thing here it was his time like this is his moment uh finally getting a best director and a best picture win after many, many years of making incredible movies that were shunned by the Oscars. And it is a great movie. It's like, you, even now, you're not going to be like, man, you know what movie's not good? Schindler's List. It doesn't hold up. It holds up. It's a great movie. Like, I don't think there's any question. This is a, a, a one of the, the top best picture winners we've had here, honestly. I mean, maybe like, I like Silence of the Lambs more because it's like more rewatchable. But like, of these 90s winners... I don't know. I feel like this is like really one of the best. This is like, if not the best, then maybe like the second best. Yeah. Like there's no, like no one would argue. No. With this one. So. Uh, so yeah. you, you were sending me a lot of these. Uh, the, we start as usual with the red carpet arrivals choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This is, this is how they open. I just wrote this one down. You could, you could definitely tell me what you got. This is, a, this, I just wrote this. And this is the first one. Hollywood's biggest night, 66 Oscars. Here we go. A welcome addition to the Oscar cast and a presenter, Christian Slater. Mm-hmm. Bringing out the A-list. Yeah. Pump up the volume. It, it was a big year for him. So <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this. This dedicated actress will be a presenter this evening. Madeline Stowe. From Incredible. Uh, unlawful entry hive. Rise up. <laughs> um, oh, oh. New film star and nominee for original song, Janet Jackson. Incredible new film star that's poetic justice that that intro mm-hmm. yeah um 
fine young actor, also a presenter tonight, Nicolas Cage. So it's funny that we've done this completely out of order with no rhyme or reason because it's like watching, like, it just feels, it's just so strange because we've seen him win an Oscar, obviously for Leaving Las Vegas. And but also, so at this point, he is, he's 30, which is young. Right. So like, yes, sure, fine young actor. But also when I was a child, we were talking about this last week, everyone just seems super old to you when you're a kid. Yeah. So like, to me, like 30 just sounded really old. Cause I also remember in first grade, we had to write about like what we want to be when we grow up. And uh, like one of the prompts was like, when I'm 30, I'll be, and I just remember thinking like, oh my God, that's like retirement age. You know, it's like yes. so old. It felt so far away. <laughs> this made me laugh too, because so like literally like two years from now, he'll win best actor. So it's, mm-hmm. he goes from guarding Tess as like, hey, look at this fun young guy playing opposite Hollywood legend Shirley MacLaine to leaving Las Vegas and then The Rock. And like, he's like one of the biggest stars in Hollywood for like three or four years. And he already had Moonstruck. Right. And he already had Raising Arizona, which was like a cult yeah. fave. But like, this was like, I don't know. I just thought that was funny too. Here's what I wrote down, Joyce, because uh, it's wrong. 1990 Oscar winner for Reversal of Fortune, Jeremy Irons. I guess that's technically right because the movie came out in 1990. No, it is right because he's the best actor of that year. But the ceremony 19... is just in 91. He is 1991. Again, Schindler's List is the best film of 1993. It's not the best picture of 1994. No, but it's the 1994 Oscar winner for best picture. Because it's 1994 not, Oscars. It's the, the ceremony takes place in 1994. It's the best picture of 1993. Okay, okay. The year, Coda. 1994 is not over. We're in March. <laughs> Coda is the best picture of 2021, not 2022. People yeah, but it won it, 2022. It, it won 2022's best picture. It won, no, it won in the year 2022. Yes. But it's We're the best the same picture thing. of 2021. <laughs> uh, here's another one I wrote down. And how many times have we said this in, in, these, in this run? Five-time Oscar nominee, Glenn Close. Like, I think it's literally the third one we've done in a row. Unbelievable. <laughs> because it's also, because again, she got five nominations, basically on the trot in the 80s, and then nothing for 23 years. And now she's an eight-time nominee. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then uh, I got heavy favorite for Oscar recognition, Steven Spielberg. Heavy. Yeah. No, no notes, I guess. What um, Any other ones did you write down? At age 12, already a Hollywood veteran, Elijah Wood, not wrong. And then later when he presents, they also intro him as a veteran. It's awesome. So, yeah. Um, oh, a glamorous Hollywood couple, both of whom will be presenters on tonight's Oscars cast. They really love Oscars cast. Said it multiple times. Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. That was cool. Now, Tom Cruise in this, I was wondering, like, I don't remember. I was trying to figure out. I actually Googled. I was like, because he's got like long hair and a beard. So he looks like Last Samurai Tom Cruise, but that's not for a few years. Or Mission Impossible 2 Tom Cruise, but it's also not for a few years. And it's after Interview of the Vampire, right? Because that came out in 94. It it came out in 94. So is he, but he doesn't look like that in Interview with the Vampire. So what is he prepare? Is he just like, this is how I look, like beard and long hair? Yeah. I guess that's it. That's his look. So he wasn't okay. filming anything. He can just grow out his hair. I mean, why not? I don't know if he still can. I haven't seen him in a beard in 25 years. I mean, you know, the man's going to be 60 this weekend. So still looks great. He does. (laughs) How, you know, the the top two movies this weekend starring Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise. Love it. I saw Elvis Joyce. We'll talk about that another time. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Any other other intros, Joyce, before we get to Whoopi? Um... 
No, uh, well, British actor nominated for Schindler's List tonight, Ray Fiennes. Yeah. I love when they point out the Brits, like the non-Americans. So great. You know, yeah, because they did the same thing with Hugh Grant. Uh, I will say we've had, I, 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 I should have looked this up, but I'm like, I don't actually know who the, the man and the, the alternate seemingly between the, the lady announcer and the male announcer. Uh, I don't think it's just one male and one female. I think it's like multiple men, you know? Usually like, yeah. it feels like the, the, the male, whoever does, whoever the man is doing them, if it's multiple men or whatever, make more mistakes. Than, but this time really no notes. I don't think they made a lot of mistakes. I mean, most of them are not error filled. It was just that one year that was really bad. Like maybe the, the copy is kind of like, like LOL. Um, but they're not usually error strewn. Like I guess it was two weeks ago now when right. we did it. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a tough beat. Uh, so now we go in, Whoopi comes out. Uh, it was here, I, I pulled it up. It, it was, uh, so, Gil, so Billy uh, was not good the year before, as we remember so fondly he kind of like really was like running on fumes so he Gil also Cade, made a, a huge to do about not returning for this like Gil Cade's really wanted him back again so Gil Cade's really wanted him back he said no they floated this is from Wikipedia again love love the research but Jack Matthews who used to write reviews for Newsday so I read him a lot growing up uh suggested Tom Hanks should host it's funny because we're still suggesting Tom Hayes to host things, obviously, now, 20, 30 years later. I understood when people suggest your favorite actors or just performers you like to host things. Just because you like seeing them on screen doesn't mean they'll make a great host. Here is, uh, I think Tom Hanks would make a good host, to be clear, because we've seen him host things. Like, he hosted Inauguration and stuff. He's got that, like, gravitas to do it. Yeah, but I just, like, just don't, just because you like someone, stop. It, it's like rec- recommending the Muppets to host Oscars. Sure. Like, no. Here was what Jack Matthews said, though, and this you could just say anytime. Tom Hanks has the charm, dignity, wit, intelligence, and it's worth mentioning. He's a movie star, which feels like what everybody was saying about like Tom Holland and Zendaya for this year's Oscars. Like, get a movie star to host it. It's great. Anyway. You want ratings to go up? Yeah, exactly. Tom Hanks didn't host it. No kidding. Apparently, according to this, Gil Cates offered the, the, the role to Steve Martin, future host, Bette Midler, and Johnny Carson. They all turned it down. So then Whoopi Goldberg ended up being the host. Won an Oscar. First time uh, a woman is hosted alone, I believe, right? Um, yeah. She kind of mentions and, it. And her... also, obviously, the first Black woman. Correct. So it's like a historic first. She mentions that in her opening. And there was like a lot of like, it's weird to think about now, I guess, because I'm like, she won an Oscar, like she's part of this club. But everybody was like, what is Whoopi going to say? Like, I feel like that was like the narrative here in a lot of this coverage, that she's like a loose cannon. Yeah. And then she references that in her monologue, that she'll be too political. Well, also remember last year, Gil Cates, very upset with Richard Gere, Susan Sarandon, and Tim Robbins for being political. Yes, they were, they were, they were political and he wanted to keep it uh, apolitical. Yes. Which in itself is uh, very, very both sides. Yeah, I would say his his wanting to keep it apolitical is in itself political. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Whoopi comes out and she goes, there haven't been this many white executives in Hollywood nervous since Heidi Fleiss, I believe. That's her like opening joke. Remember Heidi Fleiss was like a thing. Yes, Hollywood madam. Uh, so, and then she's like, I, I like I said, I didn't think her monologue was very, like her, her monologue we did the other time 
which was after. I don't I honestly. I I watched this yesterday, and I don't really remember anything from her monologue except her her political run there. But I can't even quote it. <laughs> uh, it's just kind of forgettable. Yeah, because she like hosted her whole in, stint in general. Right, she hosted in '96, which we liked. That was the uh, wasn't that the Braveheart year? Yeah, and then that's when she also that was the that was the year of the protests, and then she mocked the protests for some reason. She kind of so it's funny when we did that. She did that thing that year was also '96 was a lot of the ribbons, right? And she was like, "I got a ribbon yeah. for this, a ribbon for that, a ribbon for this, a ribbon for this." Blah 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 and blah blah. blah. She, and she does it for, here for game rights disease, which is like correct. She does it here again, talking well, about no, causes. She did, first. <laughs> she did it here first, right? So it's like that was like a sequel. This one not as good, honestly, as the second one. But she also mentioned men's rights disease or something in this one. Made no sense. Truly makes no sense. Uh immediately makes fun of the crying game which i was like does not age well at all another another dig at the crying game because she's like billy left he's got the crying game and i've got schindler's list um yeah she has the serious movies so she mentions jack nicholson and james Conn getting arrested i had to google this one mm-hmm. uh they both were arrested, as it turned out. James Conn pulled a, a, a apparently like pulled a gun on somebody, I believe, and this is the Jack uh, hitting the car with the golf club that we've seen referenced literally multiple times here during these. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, what are you gonna do? <laughs> that was it. That's all I got written down. For, I wrote down those three things for her monologue. That was I told you, like I don't, if I no memory of what I watched yesterday. <laughs> so not the greatest opening, but then, like I said, we get to the winners. So let's just do best picture. Uh, we'll start with best picture choice because we always start with best picture. Uh, the nominees were Schindler's List, The Piano, The Fugitive, In the Name of the Father, and The Remains of the Day. Hard to find fault with any of these movies. I would put all five of these in. This is a great lineup. Yeah. And just really? the fact that The Fugitive made it in. <laughs> Truly a great lineup. And then I was trying to fill out the next five. So based Philadelphia on- Philadelphia was definitely six. So Philadelphia clearly is six. And I think Jurassic Park is seven. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I put Age of Innocence in at eight. Now Age of Innocence was like Scorsese still not winning favor with the Academy, but doing an Academy movie, right? Like this was, so everyone, when he announced that he was doing this, everyone was just like, what the hell are you doing, dude? He's doing Merchant <laughs> Ivory, basically cosplay. That's what it felt like, right? Like- this stuff works. Not Emma Thompson, Michelle Pfeiffer, Daniel Day-Lewis, Winona Ryder. Good stuff. It's actually a good movie. And I, I think it would have gotten in at eight. And then I have What's Love Got to Do With It at nine. Two, two acting nominees, uh, a major biopic kind of thing. And then I put In the Line of Fire at 10. I don't really know, though. It's like a not a, this would have been a great year to have eight, uh, five to 10 nominees. Because I think you would have easily had Philadelphia, Jurassic Park, and Age of Innocence. And that's it. But filling out a full 10, I can't yeah. have to do with it and in the line of fire. I guess you could also, you can probably maybe do Shadowlands as like a lower tier one. Maybe. Because I got a screenplay nom and obviously Deborah Winger got in and starring Anthony right. Hopkins. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it would also be cool if like Sleepless in Seattle got in. But, so the uh, ones I wrote down that I don't think would have gotten in based on how they performed, but I personally would have put one in a scene or Groundhog Day and Sleepless in Seattle. I think both of them should have. If it was now, I think at least one of those would have gotten a Best Picture nomination. I actually think Groundhog Day would have because I think it would have been like 
Groundhog Day should have been nominated for screenplay. So. Certainly screenplay. I think it could have gotten like, if it was now the same movie now, I think it would get like six, five or six nominations. Yeah. And Groundhog Day. So this year, BAFTA was after the Oscars and Groundhog Day won the BAFTA for original screenplay. Yes. Though that I still think the piano probably should have, you know what I mean? It's like weird because like these are good movies, but I definitely think it should have gotten nominated. Um, and then I don't know. So the one thing I thought was funny is he had Robert Altman had been kind of a Hollywood pariah going into the player, right? Like, and then the player was like a big hit. He gets nominated for best director. I still think it should have gotten like more nominations. And then he follows up the player with shortcuts and gets another best director nomination. It just felt like, Oh, remember Robert Altman? He's great. So maybe that gets into best picture. If there's 10, I don't believe so. Cause it didn't really do well anywhere else. No, it's just, it's just a directing branch going ham on him. Right. Um, and yeah, like there's a quote from him in Inside Oscar when he he calls it like a, a shallow victory because he's like, why am I the only person singled out from this film, basically, you know? Right. But he's like, you know, Steven Spielberg's going to win, so I'm happy for him, right. whatever. I, I, I guess looking at this, like we've done this a lot and it's always clear that there should be some movies that just aren't not, like shouldn't be nominated. But again, this five is like really good. And I guess just Philadelphia was i don't know how it missed but uh, it missed here and director but it's hard to like what would you have pushed out to put it in i mean i think most people would just say the fugitive because it's like the the least like oscary of them yes but it's a great movie though it is a great movie and it was a huge hit um but also the only one of, of this lineup that did not get into directing or writing right you know so, so instead of Philadelphia, but I, I think they both should have gotten in. I don't know how you, I don't know how you pick, I guess. Yeah. And it's also like, it's like, I love that the fugitive got in, especially in a field of five. Cause I think it, in now, like in a field of 10, it would definitely get in, you know, or like most likely get in, but doing it in a field of five, it's just, it's like beauty and the beast getting in, in a field of five, you know, yeah. it's, it's just cool. that yeah. people really loved it as it turns out. Uh, um, yes. yeah, but like Philadelphia, I well, the, like critically the reception to it wasn't the best you know and obviously yeah and people were like worried before it premiered about how it would do and obviously it did really well with like Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington in it um made a ton of money uh so I don't know maybe homophobia I mean it could be yeah definitely (laughs) so I mean like the fact that like Jonathan Demme you know coming off of Sounds of the Lambs couldn't get in either so i thought that too but then again we'll go to best director like so spielberg wins for schindler's list jim sheridan for in the name of the father gene campion for the piano historic nominee james ivory for remains of the day and robert Altman for shortcuts i definitely think jonathan demi should have gotten in but again those are five really great nominees i guess you would say robert altman knock him out for for demi well yeah because shortcuts like this is do you hear the dog barking oh yeah <laughs> that dog is like keep robert altman in how dare you? I'm a huge Shortcuts fan. That's my neighbor's dog, Sidebar. Um, Bark said everybody. Does that matter how long you've walked past that dog? How many times you walked past that dog? Bark said everybody. But yeah, Robert Allman fan that dog. Um, yeah, like this is a great lineup. And, you know, a, a, lot, of, a lot of men, a lot of straight white men, uh, pressed about Gene Campion's nomination. Pretty strange that they were because it's so obvious that the movie's great, but I mean, like- Yeah, but also like a, a lot of people, let me see, did I like bookmark this? Yeah, get me inside Oscar quotes, Joyce. Yeah. Um, 
like just they felt like you know it wasn't good or like people just didn't get that movie you know I mean it's not it's a very gothic movie obviously she right. was inspired by Wuthering Heights and um, there's also the chapter ends with a quote from Charlton Heston being oh he was asked like what movies did you like this year and he said oh I like a lot but one movie I hated was the piano because they never tell you why she's mute wow yeah sounds like Sam, Sam Elliott here I know um where is this I don't even know where it is uh, oh, okay so here we go um I know, wait this is the wrong one where did I this is riveting stuff here <laughs> <laughs> I bookmarked too many pages that's why this is why reading is bad Joyce I, I read the whole chapter for you <laughs> and then I can't even find where I annotated it now um but oh yeah the theme the theme this year was the people behind the camera as well so I want to bring that up later while you're looking that up I just want to go through I want I was looking at Spielberg uh while you're looking up Jane uh Jane Diggs uh so Spielberg was obviously like get Spielberg an Oscar we talked about this uh previously this is what he, he ended up this is the run he had going into Schindler's List and it's funny because it felt like he was so overdue to win but I don't know where he would have won so it's like Jaws obviously is a breakout 1975, but I think that's the year Millis Foreman wins for Cuckoo's Nest. So it's not going to be like Steven Spielberg for Jaws, probably, even though I think Jaws also is snubbed a him better movie. Um, frequently. Close so. Encounters uh, loses the same year as Annie Hall wins. Now, Woody Allen has, and that movie is probably not aimed well in the public discourse, but I don't know at the time, I think you could argue that it was probably like the correct win. Uh, Raiders Lost Ark, I think he could have probably one that was the year uh i believe chariots of fire won right 1982 oscars yeah but i don't i like again i just don't think he would have really won for i yeah and then like the color purple it was just you know so like the color purple would have been like his potential win but i don't think i don't think that would have been a great win warren Beatty won for reds the year raiders was out uh and chariots of fire won for best picture i'm not sure I mean, that's not a bad win. Well, oh, yeah. And then he was he was snubbed for the color purple. So this was, I mean, that was like his most Oscar-friendly film. Um, that was his most Oscar-friendly film. Yeah, it, and it then felt, he was snubbed. It, it definitely was like, it felt like a little sweaty, right? Like I got to win an Oscar type thing. But I think color purple was actually like a good movie, even with all like the fraud discourse around it. And like was probably unjustly... Uh, snubbed in a lot of things and what won that year is out of africa which i don't believe has aged very well at all i would say it's so a lot of huge epics yeah. okay so i found it so I, um anyway, so this was, was about uh, about the the critics prizes like the big three new york la national society and also mbr so jane campion so that's picture went to schindler's list but jane campion won director so Michael Medved, who was not a member of the circle, realized that this divvying up made no sense, but he got it backwards, mistakenly thinking that the wars for Campion had come after Best Picture voting, blah, blah, blah. So then he wrote in the New York Post, quote, hey, Stephen, call a cop because you was robbed, he wailed, grousing that the result was, quote, bonehead. 
Medvedev concocted a theory to explain Cambion's two citations from the New Yorkers. Quote, she happens to be a woman. And, end quote, and he imagined a, quote, feverish hunger to honor a woman at all costs, end quote. He also insisted that among the critics, there was a, quote, wave of sympathy, end quote, for Campion because her premature newborn son had died earlier in the year. Um, so then people were dragging him for his hot take. Um, Georgia Brown of the Village Voice was appalled at Medvedev's, quote, bigotry for, quote, saying no woman is good enough to compete simply with her own talent, end quote. She also fessed up that she had supported Mike Lee for naked and quote, never considered that in not voting for Campion that I was failing to vote for a woman, much less a bereaved mother, end quote. And then a parenthetical here. Medved was not a fan of the piano. The film did not make his 10 best list, although he did find a spot there for Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey a live action Disney movie with Sally Field providing the voice cat, so. Incredible. I watched that movie too. <laughs> Me too, actually. I've seen that one on cable. Uh, so that was, so Jane doesn't win. We obviously had a replay of this and Jane wins this year over Spielberg. Mm -hmm. But I'm fine that she did not win for the piano. Steven Spielberg should win an Oscar for Schindler's List. It feels like what else, it's like, uh, a ba I just totally right. I just think that that history was correct there. Um, yeah, and again, this was his time, and there's several quotes from him in the book as well about like how he's like he'll be okay if he never wins an Oscar. So and it's great when he wins. His speeches, I think, are really great, and he has this great moment where he's like, again, showing enthusiasm for winning, which I like because like holy cow, you just won an Oscar, like own it. And he's like, I have many friends who have won Oscars, and I've never actually held one before, so I know it. And I found that was so cool. I was like, wow. Imagine that like kind of even I'm hoping it's true, but I'm like, imagine that kind of discipline to be like, you know, like Francis Ford Coppola has got multiple Oscars, right? I'm sure Steven Spielberg could have easily just like at his office one day been like, let me, what does it feel like? How does it feel to hold an Oscar and never doing it rather because he probably was like, I want to win before I get to hold it, right? Like I need to own it my own. Yeah. And I think some, several people are like, like some actors are like that as well. You know, they always admit that was so cool. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was great. So we were looking, again, hard to beat this lineup of best directors, but I did come up with some more, as you'll probably be shocked. So Andrew Davis for The Fugitive would have never gotten nominated, but obviously he's the best picture nominee. He could have been considered. And I think it is a good, I, I don't understand how it wasn't considered here or screenplay because like did the, what the, the movie's good enough for best picture probably should get one of those nominations but even sure. if he doesn't get into directing it probably should have gotten a screenplay nomination because just i mean based on a tv show right if anyone does not know yeah. <laughs> and um a completely different take on what yeah. the series was about you know spielberg for jurassic park you're gonna give him double noms i would actually <laughs> Jurassic Park rules. It's a great movie. He's so good. It's just like he's he makes it look so easy in Jurassic Park. And it's, as we've like, seen, has, has any director had a better year than he did in nineteen? No, absolutely not. This is, I think, the best year for any director in the history like, of Hollywood. Two completely different movies. Two completely different movies. Two giant hits. Yeah. Two uh, massive Oscars. And one so innovative as well. Uh, Spielberg, Jurassic Park. It's he does such a great job in Jurassic Park that it's feels effortless and probably like overlooked. But as we've seen from five subsequent movies, including one he directed, it is not as easy as you think to make a really, really great Jurassic Park movie. It's just kind of funny to be like, how do you mess up dinosaurs? 
like af- after the first one, you know? Well, it's because like, he made that, he basically did, this is like Jaws with dinosaurs. That's what yes. it ends up being. You know, like, I think the one of the reasons the original is so good is because it there is a good balance of the action and the dinosaur stuff with character work. Yeah. And, and I don't it's think like, really, you don't get that at least in two and three. And I will say like Spielberg, one of the things I think he's great at, and maybe like somewhat underrated, maybe I'm saying something that people have said before and I'm going to look like an idiot, but I think that he's really good at picking like non-stars with the exception of like, obviously he's worked with like Tom Hanks and Harrison Ford and all these major people, but like in a movie like Jurassic Park, none of those people in that movie are like A-list stars, right? It was like Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and like a bunch of character actors. And it just, it completely works. It's so good. And then even Schindler's List, the same kind of thing. Like Liam Neeson is not like a major star, refines no, a newcomer and that's, he purposely wanted that and it's like but they are it's just like he's so good at taking actors who you don't necessarily and i mean even up to like we've seen like west side story he's still doing it like mike vice and like rachel zegler and all these people who are not act it, not stars and makes them into stars well they're not movie stars right like they're tony nominees um but right. it like he it's also funny because he had never directed an Oscar-winning performance until Lincoln, and now he has three Oscar-winning performances in the past decade. Pretty strange that he never directed an Oscar. And they're like one in each category, so he just needs Best Actress now. Which maybe this year, Michelle Williams, we'll see uh, for for Fablemans. Uh, so I would do, I'd actually would do double noms for Spielberg, and I would probably do him over Demi and put out Robert Altman. Apologies to your friend's dog or your neighbor's dog. Um, Demi for around Philadelphia. I have Harold Ramis for Groundhog Day, but I don't think that would ever happen, but I think nowadays it probably would be considered a thing that could happen. I could see Harold Williams getting like a, a rogue DGA nomination, not getting in at the Oscars, that kind of thing. Groundhog Day came out today. And Nora Ephron for Sleepless in Seattle. Just a great job. Great movie. She's yeah. awesome. Um, do you think like Scorsese was close at all here? Like how far back do you think he was? Because I don't I think, think he was close. I don't think he was close either. Because I, even though it had five nominations, I don't think they really responded to the movie. And I think, again, like I said, I think Demi and Spielberg are way ahead uh, uh, over Scorsese. And I think Andrew Davis would have to be based on the fact that Fugitive got in. So I think he'd be like at best fourth here of like possible fill-in contenders. Yeah. I mean, he was just like never going to win for this anyway if he got in. No. Um. And then he's he's nominated in adapted screenplay. He is nominated for a screenplay, which we've so talked like about. We did that with Goodfellas. They yeah. were he wasn't going to win there either, obviously. Um, so yeah, this is a great line. Like again, this is like one of the best lineups of picture and directors we've had. Uh, let's do best actor choice. So Tom Hanks wins for Philadelphia. The other nominees are Daniel Day Lewis for In the Name of the Father, Lawrence Fishburne for What's Love Got to Do with It, Anthony Hopkins for Remains of the Day, and Liam Neeson for Sh- uh, for Schindler's List. Incredible list of nominees again, like. I don't even think I would take any of these guys out. It's well, so Lawrence Fishburne was a surprise nominee. Right. Um, and yeah, but this was, you know, just like it was Steven's time. This was Tom's time. So we'll talk about that. We can talk about his speech. Uh, do you want to do like fill-ins here? I had a few guys written down here potentially before we get. Well, into- I mean, the most obvious one is Denzel because Denzel ran lead famously for this and was not nominated anywhere. Um, but, and he's talked about this multiple times, like how he has no regrets. Like even just a couple of years ago when Viola Davis went supporting, 
for fences and he was asked about it and he said he told her that she should go leave but you know it's up to her it's it's her choice and he said like he had no regrets actually let me pull up the his infamous or not infamous but a well-known playboy interview because i think he talks about it that's right um so uh okay philadelphia so this is from 2002 20 years ago now um so this was after he won for training day his late oscar so they asked him how about tom hanks were you annoyed he was nominated for the best actor oscar for philadelphia while you were overlooked so denzel says the studio had two guys who could be up for lead and they did not want to split the vote the movie was about tom's character and they wanted to get behind him they asked me to look at the supporting category and my agent said, no, your row was just as big. I didn't get nominated, but I'd been nominated three times and won already. Tom was known for comedy at the time and he had just done A League of Their Own. Philadelphia was one of his first serious roles. Did it hurt? Sure, but I never let it eat me up. So Playboy says, at all? He says, so this, this goes back to last year. Uh, the opposite is true. There have been times when I didn't want to win, when Pacino won for Son of a Woman, I was up for Malcolm X. I didn't want to win that time. I would have felt badly. It was Pacino's time. If he hadn't won that one, he would have been 0 for 8. I was already 1 for 2 or something. When he won, was I 1 for 3 batting 0.33? I was okay with that. When I didn't win some of these awards, other people were angrier about it than I was. I know it's a cliche, but I genuinely feel good about being invited to the party. How many people can say they've been nominated five times? How many people can say they have won two Academy Awards? So I'm cool with it. When they called my name for training day, I did not expect it at all. Huh. So. Love Denzel. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would have nominated him though for this. I think you can make the I, case. He, he does a good job and he's obviously, you know, the the reformed homophobe. Correct. It's a difficult, yeah. like Tom Hanks represented in the speech. It's actually a, a tough role because you're playing a character who is going to not have the audience's sympathies at all and actually like could end up being like a thing that people will always think of you as. Obviously that did not happen with Denzel Washington, but like, you know, nobody wants to be like, I'm the homophobe. Uh, yeah, like it's it's a good performance. And I do think if he went supporting, he probably would have gotten in. So I think, um, and I think that while I understand the gamesmanship, it, the movie is Tom, it is Andrew's movie. It, the char- it's his character's movie. Yeah, and I think if you want to make the first mainstream studio film about the AIDS crisis and, you know, basically call out the government for being slow to respond because this is affecting gay men, then I do think you sort of have to focus on the AIDS-stricken gay character in the film. So I was was reading about the movie and that role was, I think they approached Robin Williams and Bill Murray for the Denzel role, which is interesting to think of him, of those guys in that role. And I think you could easily see a version of Philadelphia where they do have that kind of like comedy, like guy doing that role. Um, but I think Denzel's really perfect in the movie. Though yeah. both Rob Williams and Bill Murray, I think could have had serious. Robin Williams won the globe for Mrs. Doubtfire. So he could have been, nom- he should have been nominated really. <laughs> so the people I wrote down as possible nominees were Rob Williams for Mrs. Doubtfire actually had him sixth. I think he really could have gotten nominated. It was definitely not a time when they were going to nominate Rob Williams for like doing that outright comedy, I think, or like, you know, Good Morning Vietnam had more uh, drama in it than 
than this. Uh, but I just think it's a great performance and like an all-time Robin Williams performance. Bill Murray for Groundhog Day would have never happened. Movie had no interest at the Oscars, but I think if it was now, that performance would have been like seriously considered. And Harrison Ford for the Fugitive. What's what about him? Great movie. Poor, he poor guy. He only has one nomination for Witness. Um, yeah. Um, but at the same time, none of these guys I would have knocked out really. I, I think Lawrence Fishburne. And I like I love great. Anthony Hopkins in Remains of the Day. Yeah. And, like honestly i would not have been upset if he had won right like that's it's a great performance um and i love that movie because it doesn't have a happy ending i love movies with bittersweet or sad endings right right so um i would also put in kevin klein for dave great performance i don't think you had any chance but i had it written down as yeah, like a possibility was, too movie's great <laughs> uh and liam neeson for schindler's was great but so hanks wins he gets up as you said a, a memorable speech Standing ovation, I believe, for Tom Hanks. He was one of two standing ovations during the show. Uh, no, uh, so he, uh, three standing Spielberg ovations. Got one and Bruce got one. Spielberg, they, Hanks, they and were Hanks. they were ready to give Bruce Springsteen a standing ovation. Yes. Uh, so Hanks gets a standing ovation. Really fun. His speech is all time. Uh, I, I pulled up the transcript. It's such a long speech. So long. Uh. He thanks Rita Wilson without naming her, which I found like not strange, but just like just say Rita Wilson. It's like my love. Um, I mean, a lot of people just thank their spouse without yeah. saying their names. So uh, he like mentions Denzel and he says, uh, for a cast that includes many other people, but the actor who really put his film image at risk and shown because of his integrity, Mr. Denzel Washington, who I really share this with. And then he says, this is, this is the part that spawned an entire new movie, Joyce, and made like headlines even to within like last, a couple of years ago, uh, the Times did a, a, a two, in 2019, the Times did a story on this as well. Uh, Hank says, I would not be standing here if it weren't for two very important men in my life. So two that I haven't spoken with in a while, but I had the pleasure of just the other evening, Mr. Raleigh Farnsworth, who was my high school drama teacher, who taught me to act well the part, there all the glory lies. And one of my classmates under Mr. Farnsworth, Mr. John Gilkerson. I mentioned their names because they are two of the finest gay Americans, two wonderful men that I had the good fortune to be associated with, to fall under their inspiration at such a young age. I wish my babies could have had the same sort of teacher, the same sort of friends. And there lies my dilemma tonight. I know that all, my work in this case is magnified by the fact that the streets of heaven are too crowded with angels. We know their names. They number a thousand for each one of the red ribbons that we wear here tonight. They finally rest in the warm embrace of the gracious creator of us all, a healing embrace that cools their fevers, that clears their skin, and allows their eyes to see the simple self-evident common sense truth that is made manifest by the benevolent creator of all of us and was written down on paper by wise men, tolerant men in the city of Philadelphia. 200 years ago. God bless you all. God have mercy on us all. And God bless America. Tom Hanks, run for president. That's a good, it's a great speech. Holy cow. He, like, do you think he had prepared that? So I was, I have to imagine, yes. It's, it's incredibly well-written and off the Yeah, because the way he starts is like, he knew he was going to win. Like, he doesn't even start, you know, like, overwhelmed to be like, I like to thank the Academy or like anything like that, really. Right. So- um, as it turns out, Tom Hanks, quote unquote, outed Rowley Farnsworth, his high school drama teacher, with that speech. And it later became the movie In and Out, because Scott Rudin, who is now canceled, said, that's a good idea for a movie. And Matt Dillon plays the Tom Hanks character. Kevin Klein plays the Farnsworth character. And it's a whole movie. And uh, it was 
there's a Times article about it. And uh, I think Mr. Farnsworth was not necessarily uh, that upset, even though like the headlines were out at the Oscars, all these different things. But he had told People Magazine, I don't mind going public now. I didn't think I had anything to lose. Although he added, if I was still in my professional life, I don't know how I would have reacted. And then Farnsworth said, it has been quite a feather in my cap, he said at the time. Uh, He became a gay rights advocate, working with an organization for gay, lesbian, and transgender teachers, and serving as the Grand Marshal in Atlanta Parade for Children with HIV. I think also part of it was that he didn't know that Tom knew he was gay. Right. Yeah. He says here in the People article, I didn't know exactly what he was going to say, but it was just overwhelming. Uh, And yeah. It's a very nice moment. It never occurred to me to be pick up. Uh, he says uh, he's still pondering. Blah blah blah. He was surprised at Hanks one. Not that I didn't think he could happen, but it doesn't usually happen that way. So very great, great moment. A great speech. Uh, an in and out good movie. So a lot of a uh, lot of positive things happening from. And Tom's gonna win again next year. Yes, for for Forrest Gump. Uh, incredible, incredible stuff. And literally, like again, like this was. Watching this Oscars, it does feel like, like, yeah, like Steven Spielberg, it was time. Tom Hanks, everyone loved Tom Hanks. Just truly his time. Yeah, this was his dramatic turn. Right. Um, and an important movie. Um, and yeah, like a lot of the criticism of the film at the time was that it was too sanitized. Right. Portrayal, you know, but I think that was also the best they could do at that time. So I think, and this is a Times article from 2019. They talk about that and they talk about, again, like, like we had just said earlier, like Tom Hanks playing a gay character, obviously when he's, uh, you know, he's not gay. So Ron Niceweiner, who is gay and wrote the script, he said, you know, we would have really, we today we would really examine the issue. We're ve- we were we're very conscious of it. He said, but uh, he said at the time, this is in 2019, that uh, potent, quote potentially controversial movies need stars to get them made. That's just a fact. Yeah. And then he talked about, um, you know, the impact of the film. And while like, I'm sure it's not like certain things don't hold up. And again, the casting maybe would be different now. Ron Niceweiner said, I spent the last 25 years being approached by people who have said to me, thank you, your movie changed my life. Last year on the set of Homeland, so this is in 2018, Niceweiner was worked on Homeland, a Showtime series. A production assistant from Egypt walked up to me and said, hey, I just have to tell you, because of watching your movie when I was 14, I realized who I was. So I know Philadelphia has positively affected people's lives. I mean- Yeah, um, it's just- that was, you know, it, it opened the door for many Americans, yeah. you know, to be more accepting of gay people and to understand that you don't get AIDS from contact. You right. Know? Like that's, it's, it's so weird. It's probably like very strange now if you're like a young person watching Philadelphia. Yeah. You'll be like, this is so dated. And it's like, or just like, it happened. doesn't even make any sense. Like Denzel Washington thinks he's going to get AIDS from shaking, uh, yeah, and he watch the characters until the end of the movie you know it's just very like all that is really strange i think because we're so, but that's what it was like at the time but that's what it was like at the time even or in that was what people thought it was like and having a movie that shows those specific things it is a message movie which hollywood does kind of hit and miss uh but this one really works and i just think it does still work so i i like the tom hanks win obviously i don't think it's bad i'm like i know i'm in on tom hanks as it turns out no, yeah, it's it's a good win. And I prefer this win to his Forrest Gump win. As we talked about when we did Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump not aged well. Philadelphia, I think, has aged differently, but not poorly. Yeah. Like I think 
Philadelphia is, was a necessary movie at that time. Right. I think uh, in his review, Roger Ebert compared it to like, guess who's coming to dinner? Like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Where it's like, these are movies that like, again, nowadays would feel quaint or weird or like not exactly how they would be done in modern times. But at the time they were like revolutionary because what they were showing. Yeah, because some of like the other complaints from like AIDS activists, like Larry Kramer was not into Philadelphia. And, right. You know, one of the things was that like, oh, they don't have any intimate scenes between Antonio Banderas and Tom right. Hanks. Right. No, but I, I don't know like how people would have reacted back then if they had done that, you know? Right. So, and then like they, you know, I think it's a quote from Ron, but he was like, you know, this is, you know, he's dying and like they've been together for a long time and like there's this court case. So it's just like, we also want to show that like there is like any other hetero couple where if you've been in a relationship for a long time, not always like touchy feely with each other. Right. For seven, you know? Right. True. Uh, best actress choice. Holly Hunter wins for the piano. The other nominees are Angela Bassett for what's glove got to do with it. Stocker Channing for six degrees of separation. Emmett Thompson for the remains of the day and Deborah Winger for Shadowlands. Great list of nominees. Love Holly Hunter's win. Love Holly Hunter. Always Holly's. <laughs> <laughs> truly a dominant uh dominant force uh, i wrote down, wrote down other names though uh because i obviously would meg ryan and slips in seattle yeah would have put her in i don't know who i would have knocked out probably deborah winger for shadowlands <laughs> no offense deborah winger love her but yeah. i would uh, love to see meg ryan in here yeah i also like i wouldn't give her the win but i also liked michelle pfeiffer in age of innocence so that i had written her down as well how close do you think she was to getting a nomination i don't know because like they so they nominated monona and she was there's the dog again the um, dog is like you better effing keep deborah winger in there the dog's a big shadowlands fan as well <laughs> so i i don't think they were like huge fans of it um no they didn't they and, were and also like this was i feel like they were over michelle viper at this point she was nominated the previous year for love field even right. though she should been nominated for batman returns obviously right. um and yeah she hasn't been nominated since so strange but those are the two i wrote down really there was not a lot honestly of depth there's here. also um juliette binoche from blue a uh, controversy with blue because they were trying to rectify or fix the previous year's situation with foreign language film because of the disqualification, you know, when they try to pass off an Argentinian film as uh, Uruguayan. So then there was like a checklist for blue, but then it was like also disqualified because they they said it's not Polish enough. Right. <laughs> um, I think she got the Globe nomination too, um, but I don't think she would have ever gotten in at the Oscars. No. Um, yeah, Julia Benoche was nominated. Yeah, so this was always Holly Hunter's, like not a surprise at all. She is like at the time like one of the biggest sweepers like now we have a billion and a half critics awards like regional critics awards like third tier critics awards like she would have swept now i think back then there were probably maybe like 20 you know like all together including the oscars and stuff uh and i i'm, I'm pretty sure she won almost all of them let me go to her, her page um, great performance watching the thing i was like oh, i love holly hunter she's so wonderful and we'll talk about her minutes later from here because she was nominated for the firm as well and she yeah. had some so thoughts if you, if on you that. go to her her awards grid her awards section on her wikipedia page literally won everything except for best foreign actress at the david d donatello awards wow yeah but so everything else she won for best actress so here's something i was googling joy's not related to performance but uh she wins for the piano this year 
Janice Kaminsky, our best friend, wins for- And then they, uh, they get married. <laughs> and then they get married the next year. So that they meet at this Oscars, basically. They had to have, right? I guess, I mean, they could have met at any time during award season. Truly any time during award season, but like definitely yeah, but like- they both won this night. They both won yeah. this night and definitely were together a lot of times during this award season. So I, yeah, I and assume then when that he, love and bloomed. And then when he won for Saving Private Ryan, he thanks her. Right, so I assume that love bloomed uh, during this season. So that's yeah. wonderful. I love it so much. Yes. Uh, they are now split, unfortunately, yes. or maybe fortunately, unfortunately, whatever. I don't, you know, people- Well, she, yeah, she, I think she has like twins- with her current partner so right. you know uh but love this win she's a great great performance great win uh no notes i don't think. yeah and it's you know i think if people you know if, if you don't if you don't know anything about acting you might be like what she won for playing a mute and not saying any words it's like that's very difficult to do <laughs> yeah it, it's a wonderful performance uh and the other like to I, convey emotion and just like the inner turmoil of that character and also she does her own piano playing as well. That's how she won the part because they were like Jane Campion. They were unsure about her. And obviously she has two voiceovers in a Scotch brogue, not her famous Southern accent, you know? So yeah, it's a great performance. And, and I she guess- she mentions the piano playing in her speech that her parents yeah. taught her how to play piano. Did yeah, I guess like, like Angela Bassett was probably a distant second. So she I was gonna say, the- I, I feel like Angela Bassett would have been the, the alternate choice. Yeah, so she won the Globe back when they still considered any film with music to be under comedy and musical. Nothing funny about what's love got to do with it. No. Um, yeah, so I, I think she was, and, and the fact that, you know, Lawrence Fishburne got in when he wasn't expecting to. Yeah, I, I definitely have uh, I definitely Angel Bassett that. should have a lot more nominations than just this one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Let's go to best supporting actor, Joyce. Tommy Lee Jones wins for The Fugitive. I don't care. He's got his shaved head because he's playing Cobb and he has to mention that he's not bald when he wins. Very uh, famous line. I'm not bald. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other nominees are Leo DiCaprio for What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Ray Fiennes for Schindler's Lips, John Malkovich for In the Line of Fire, and Pete Postlewaite for In the Name of the Father. Pretty solid list of nominees. I don't think Leo would get nominated today for playing that part and I don't think he would necessarily it would not be as well received playing that part this antidote about leo yeah please do so this is just a a party for nominees and cindy adams thought it would be nice to introduce supporting actor nominee leonardo dicaprio to 1947 best actress uh, best supporting actress and 1956 co-host celeste holmes um what he do asked home Nominate for an Oscar, replied Adams. As what? Home inquired. Actor, best supporting. What's eating Gilbert great? Lord, I wouldn't see that. Sounds like a pie eating contest. For his part, the 19-year-old had no clue as to who the three-time nominee was either. Very famous actress, explained Cindy. No response. All about Eve, gentlemen's agreement. When DiCaprio said, never heard of him. Home instructed him rent them and learn the history of your industry. She also told him, take my advice, prepare a speech. I didn't. So Leo never heard of All About Eve. Incredible. He was too busy like preparing Don's plum, I think at this time. Um, um, yeah, I don't yeah. think he would have gotten nominated for this role now. No. Um, and he, like that, that movie, you should watch that movie. It's, 
it's it's a it's a cute movie um and the, the Johnny Depp is the lead and everyone I don't want to say like the act circles around him but like his character Gilbert Grave is just kind of right like this this straight or like the I don't know like boring is like the wrong word but like everyone else around him is like more interesting he just kind of holds down the fort as the main character you know right um and yeah like really is you know at at the time a performance like Leo's as a mentally incapacitated character was just kind of like well he was one of the youngest um male nominees ever because he was only 19 and we know they don't like young men so uh, other so Tommy, I love Tommy Lee Jones. I think Ray Fiennes is great in Schindler's List, and Ray Fiennes should have an Oscar, but I don't think he should have had an Oscar for right now. I guess. So you wouldn't give it to him for Schindler's List? No, I would have given it for Grand Budapest Hotel, actually, which we'll get to maybe five years from now. Because I think if you ask most people, especially film Twitter, they're very upset that he did not win for Schindler's List. I think he. I don't. I think Tommy Lee Jones is amazing in, in Fugitive. I don't. So think- like, I think. If, if Ray Fiennes had won for Schindler's List, I'd be completely fine with it because it is an amazing performance. Yeah. And I don't know, like I've seen, I've, you know, I know some theories is like, oh, obviously he's, he's like too evil and it's not the fun evil like Christoph Waltz and Inglorious Bastards, you know, like the mustache twirly evil, like he's a legit real life Nazi. Yeah. Um, but I don't, it's like, you know, neither he nor Liam Neeson won. Right. So it's like this is just one of those uh, best picture sweepers that does not win for its lead or even any acting award, like you know even English Patient won supporting actress right. for Julie Binoche, another Ray Fiennes film. Uh, and I do love that Tommy Lee Jones won for The Fugitive of all films, and it's not like he was numerically overdue for this. He wasn't like an Al Pacino like on his eighth nomination. You know he was just not for JFK, but obviously people know who he was, well respected actor, and this was a huge hit. And that was a great performance. And I also, like some wins or nominations, I love when you can tell that when these people were making the movie, they had absolutely no Oscar aspirations. Like you cannot convince me that when they were making The Fugitive, they were like, we're going to get a Best Picture nomination. We're going to get Tommy Lee Jones an Oscar. It's like the same thing with My Cousin Vinny, you know? Like some movies, like like when they're announced, like when you just read the log line, you're like, that's an Oscar movie. Like they want an Oscar, you know? I actually thought of this was a time when the Oscars were giving performances uh, Oscars to performances they actually liked, not yes. because they felt like they had to. So like Marissa Tomei winning and Tommy Lee Jones winning, we should see more of that. I think because yes, it's like those sure. are like mainstream yeah. movies that like people just were like, you know, I love Tommy Lee Jones and he. Yeah, was and then I feel like if you tell people now that Tommy Lee Jones won an Oscar for The Fugitive, their minds will be blown. Right. Um. Uh. Who else did I? Have? Uh. Um. And Malkovich is another one I, I was thinking of, another great similar performance, I think, to Tommy Lee Jones, where it's like, it's a mainstream, down the middle entertainment that it's like a very fun scenery chewing bad guy role. And yeah. why not get him nominated? I wrote down other people, Joyce, as you'll be surprised to know. Um, but not a lot. I had Jeff Goldblum for Jurassic Park. If we're doing John Malkovich, and we're doing the dog Tommy does Lee not Jones. like Jeff Goldblum. Damn, that dog does not like Jeff Goldblum. But I don't know. I'm like, he rules in Jurassic Park. And why not? Why not Jeff Goldblum? We we could just populate this entire category with populist. Uh, the other ones I had were uh Val Kilmer for Tombstone. He presents. It's a great performance as uh what's his face? Who's he play, Joyce? Um wow. I don't know. 
I have not watched Tombstone in forever. Doc Holiday. Holy shit. How did I not remember that? Wow. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> and oh yeah, like Kurt was Wyatt Earp, right? Yeah. Um I I had a Ben Kingsley for Schindler's List as well. It seemed pretty easy that he could have gotten in as well as a double nominee or double the movie getting double nominees here. Um the other one I wrote down that I felt like was flashy at the time and kind of like one of those guys who was like, hey, shouldn't we give him an Oscar was Sean Penn for Carlito's Way. He is like really good in the movie and it's like a very high strung performance opposite Pacino. I think and the Globes gave Carlito's Way multiple nominations. It's not a bad movie. It's actually pretty fun, but you know, and I mean Denzel yeah, if he would have run here. Penelope Ann Miller. Right. And right. Denzel if he would have run here, I think could have gotten in easily. Especially yeah, based he- on the list. I think he could have as well. Um, but, you know, he has no regrets, so. No, it's fine. No. Uh, best Supporting Actress, Joyce. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read because you sent it to me. And I will, uh, it's a great quote from Holly Hunter. So Holly Hunter and Emma Thompson are both nominated here. They're also nominated for Best Actress. The nominees the are Anna The time Pac- in Oscar history this has happened. Double yes. nominees in two acting categories. Um, hang on, let me find it. This is scintillating stuff. Let's see. <laughs> wow, how did I lose it already? Wow, no, oh. did you delete it? No, I didn't delete it. Well, anyway, the no- I'll keep scrolling. The nominees are uh, Anna Pagwins for The Piano, Holly Hunter for The Firm, Rosie Perez for Fearless, which as we talked about, she probably should have gotten nominated for White Men Can't Jump the previous year. Uh, but then they give a com- they give like the, the follow-up nomination here to her. Winona Ryder for Age of Innocence, the only Age of Innocence actor like recognized. And then Emma Thompson, name and Here's the quote from uh, Holly Hunter, uh, who was nominated for Best Actress for the Piano and won, obviously. And then she played, this is an inside Oscar quote, gumshoe Gary Busey's floozy secretary in the firm. You can't get away with that now, Joyce. I don't think they would describe her character as that now. Uh, Thompson's nominations were for remains of Dane in the name of the father. Hunter told the Los Angeles Times that the double nominations for Thompson and herself indicated to her that the supporting car- category was the le- weak link this year. Quote, they had to stretch it out to cover all the bases. It was like using hamburger helper. Now, I just rewatched the firm. I got to say, Holly Hunter is a hoot in the firm. She's very entertaining. She's got three scenes. It has no business getting nominated for an Oscar. And I don't know. I haven't seen I her name as a father in a long time. But hiding under a desk. <laughs> her second scene, she's hiding under a desk because she's about to. Uh, hook up with Gary Busey and he gets murdered. And then later she's like kind of on the run. She has one like really charming scene at the very end with David Strathairn. Uh, that it's just not a performance. It, it's a very fun movie and like, she's really fun, but it's like not, not an Oscar performance, I would say. It's a lot of, I guess, maybe just leftover piano love for her. Um, I think it's a lot of leftover piano love. And I actually do think she's incredibly likable in the movie. She just is so likable. And I think they yeah. like people liked her. Well, similarly, Emma Thompson, as we were saying like last week when she won for Howard's End, it was the the start of her rise, right? You know, to uh, worldwide fame and success. Um, without Ken Branagh, although he wasn't at the ceremony this time, he wasn't last year. And yeah, she she also has a quote in Inside Oscar where she's like, "Oh, like I know I'm losing Best Actress to Holly. Like it would be wrong if I win. Like er, like just like Schindler's List and Tom Hanks, everyone knew Holly Hunter was winning right. Best Actress, and so Emma, uh, nominated here for In the Name of the Father, she comes in in like the last act of the movie. She's the lawyer. 
and I mean, like a lot of screaming and yelling, um, but still, like she's, and, and it's, it is a supporting turn, you know, by right. all means, but it's like, she just comes in at the end. So it kind of felt like, oh, we love Emma Thompson right now right. too. So the know? problem I guess here is that who else would you put in? I had a tough time coming up with alternates. I literally, here's who I can, I wrote down three names, Joyce. Rosie O'Donnell for Sleepless in Seattle. I really like her in Sleepless in Seattle. So she's at the Oscars. She actually does a really cute bit uh, when they bring her out. Like Whoopi actually introduces her as like, here's another stand-up comic turn like actor and like blah, blah, blah. And then Rosie O'Donnell does a really funny bit where she's like, it was such a great honor to be asked to present best picture, best actor and best director or whatever. Uh, Should have known it was not real. or It's just very funny. She's got really good timing and she presents like live action short and animated short, I believe. Um, but she's great in Sleepless in Seattle. It's a great performance. She's so fun. It's like the quintessential like rom-com best friend role. Mm-hmm. I I can't help but think it's more significant to the movie than Holly Hunter is in the firm. So it is because she's the sounding board for Meg Ryan. The other people I wrote down were Laura Dern for Jurassic Park under the Jeff Goldblum auspice. Though I don't even think she's like that me- memorable in Jurassic Park. And she's fine. And then Sally Field and Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> they like her, Joyce. They really like her. Um, well, since you didn't see this movie, I have Darlene Cates from What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Really great performance. Not an actress. And she sadly died a few years ago. Um, but it's, it's a really good performance. So you should watch it for her, if not okay. for Leo's Oscar-nominated performance. Uh, so tough category. Anna Paquin wins. Uh, Holly Hunter is thrilled for her. It's very sweet. Also Emma Thompson behind them, sitting behind Very them. sweet. And then Anna Paquin gets up there and just is frozen, which is so sweet. Amazing. I thought it was like really cute because she's just so nervous. Well, and then she gives a yeah. very, very nice speech, I thought. Like very, like very cute. And it's just yeah, wild it's, that it's Anna Paquin- like 20 went. seconds. And yeah. I'm like, I would it, do that. It, a memorable, uh, memorable outfit. I feel like her hat and like her clothes are like burned in Oscar's memory forever. Oscar cast memory. Yeah, this is a surprise. So two years in a row, we got a surprise with Marissa Tomei. And now I'm Anna Paquin. So who was supposed to win this? Winona, because she won the Globe. And also it felt like she was ascendant, you know, because she, the following year, she'd be nominated for Little Woman. Right. Um, and yeah. But so. I guess the problem with the movie is here in another another sign when we see this over and over again, the piano they liked. They did not like Age of Innocence. That's the difference, basically. Yeah, they liked the piano. Did not like Age of Innocence. And... I, I remember watching this live and being like, wow, a, a child won an Oscar because I was not alive for Tatum O'Neill. <laughs> so I was like, that's cool. And, yeah. you know, and it's great. You know, Anna Paquin, very successful career. It feels so, like but, really nice when that happens. Like she definitely is. I mean, I don't know if she's ever had a performance as good as the piano. I think she's gotten like a lot of good movies though and like really done good work. I remember and- seeing Fly Away Home because... I knew she won the Oscar for the piano. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, just like she's been in our life for decades now. Like, and she's still not even old, obviously, because she won an Oscar at like 11. 40 next month. Crazy. Yeah. Um, and no, it's it's like a cool win that they would actually, you know, obviously we know they're more inclined to award young women or uh, uh, like uh, little girls than little boys. So it's cool that they, they actually did go for and didn't go for an adult. You know, it's like we, because I think the other thing with child actors is like, oh, you can just credit the director for guiding their performance as well. And I think she's really good in the movie because she is um, Ada's mouthpiece. You know, she speaks for her. 
um and also a lot of screaming as well just like emma thompson um and it, i think it's also funny that i think a lot of people similar to how people might be surprised that tommy jones won an oscar for the fugitive i think if you're you know just kind of learning about anna paquin now or just kind of know her from true blood or something that you i like i remember when true blood was airing some of my coworkers did not know she won an oscar wow for the piano yikes so, yeah this was 2008 <laughs> so are you surprised that Harvey Gattel wasn't like considered uh, for best actor? I, I actually don't think he was that great. In Same. Isn't that funny? We didn't even bring him up, but not to double back, but I, I didn't even think yeah. of him for, for best actor at all. I thought like, I like Sam Neill was fine. Right. Um, I, I do like the casting kind of like the against type casting for the both of them. Cause I think on paper you would uh, cast them in opposite roles. Yes. You know, not Harvey Gattel as like the dreamboat that uh, Holly Hunter's lusting after. Right. You know, um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, isn't I that funny? I thought the same thing. Uh, <laughs> so those are the acting awards. Let's do screenplay quick. Jane Campion wins for the piano. Steve Zalian wins for adapted screenplay. Jane Campion in her speech, she's very excited. Uh, here, the, an unfortunate uh, aging. Uh, you know, time time makes things age poorly. A special thank you to the Miramax brothers, Harvey and Bob, for bringing this film to America. Jane couldn't have known, you know, but what was the future no, no would have No one did. So. Uh, but yeah, so she wins Best Screenplay. The other nominees for there were Dave Ross, uh, Gary Ross for Dave, Jeff McGuire for In the Line of Fire, Ron Nyxweiner for Philadelphia, and Nora Ephron, David S. Ward, and Jeff Arch for Sleepless in Seattle. A great list of nominees. Um, yeah, I would just add Groundhog Day. Groundhog um, Day clearly should have gotten in and would have gotten in, I think, if it was now. And I think, like, I mean, I put Dazed and Confused down, obviously zero shot, but, like, that is a great script as well. Um, but Jane winning is great. And Steve Zalian wins for Schindler's List. Really nice speech. Other nominees are Scorsese and Jay Cox for Age of Innocence, Jim Sheridan, Terry George for The Name of the Father, Ruth Prawa uh, Jabamula for Remains of the Day, and William Nicholson for Shadowlands. No Jurassic Park here, which I feel like is a miss personally, but such is life. Yeah, they could have done Jurassic Park, The Fugitive, and Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. I don't know what I would have knocked out. I would have knocked out Age of Innocence, honestly, for one of them. So. But Schindler's List wins. Obviously. Yeah, this was this was a throwaway nom for Marty here. Uh, I want to go to score. This one I couldn't figure or out. Or John Williams should have been a double nominee. <laughs> and no, uh, I'm sorry. Who did I write down here for who who did the piano score? Oh, Michael Nyman. Yeah, amazing score. Truly insane that he's not nominated because everybody is like, oh man. Even Jane in her speech is like, Michael Nyman should have like, what a great mo like a movie doesn't work without yeah, his. Kali also shouted him out too. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, how how John Williams not nominated for Jurassic Park is truly one of the most. I think most people, if you ask them, would be like, of course he was nominated for Jurassic Park. That he's not is really shocking to me. It now the Schindler's List score is awesome yeah this and like totally fine wonderful. with Schindler's List winning even yes. if Jurassic Park had been nominated I'd be like yeah Schindler's List winning is totally so fine the other nominees are Schindler's List he wins Elmer Bernstein for Age of Innocence The Firm is Dave Grushin we talked about really creative score and actually like I like that nomination it's it's mm -hmm. solid James Newton Howard for The Fugitive and Richard uh sorry Richard Robbins for Remains of the Day how is John Williams not there for Jurassic I truly cannot believe this how is he not in there for Jurassic Park what is that it should have been double nominee I'm telling you uh, the other scores I wrote he down. For this and he should have won for Home Alone. <laughs> Rudy, uh, the piano obviously should have gotten in here too. So those are two that should definitely be in here. I feel like. 
And then mm-hmm. personal choices, Rudy, uh, just an incredible, incredible score. One of the most recognizable scores of all time. Um, I, I love it so much. It, it, Jerry Goldsmith, wonderful. Listen to it a million times. It's it's so good. Would it should have definitely gotten in. And I put down True Romance for Hans Zimmer. It's a great Hans Zimmer score. And again, a famous score that's used over and over again. Like it has had a life beyond the movie. Yeah, like the Jurassic Park score is used over and over again. Right. Yeah. I feel like that- More so than the Schindler's List score. <laughs> yes. The, the Schindler's List score, I think is like we said, the problem, it, the problem, it's not, the problem is not the right word, but the thing is like, n- it, you gotta really be in the front, mind, right frame of yeah, mind. It's, to be like, it's very tied to the movie. Yes. Um, and, and it's not- I guess like universal is not the right word, but it's not uh like it's not a multi-purpose score. Right. Um really love this score though. And the theme is great, I, yeah. I will say. Um uh, I don't know. I don't know why a piano was nominated. I don't it feels know. Feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. But song, we got double Philadelphia here, and then our guy Bruce wins. So Bruce everybody, wins standing over. Everybody very excited. Yeah. <laughs> truly truly like lit up uh whitney houston gives it out which i thought was fun mm-hmm. and then uh, she she said she volunteered to recap all the nominees by singing it again singing all the songs and again. people are like whoa and then she's like i'm just kidding i'm like you should have done it they should have actually done that also here one two three of these nominees three of these five um star tom hanks are from films starring tom hanks because you have double philadelphia with him with Bruce, and then you have just Philadelphia from Philadelphia by Neil Young. And then you have A Wink and a Smile from Sleepless in Seattle by Mark Shaman and Ramsey McLean. Right. And then other nominees were again from Poetic Justice by Janet Jackson and Jamie Jam and Terry Lewis. And The Day I Fall in Love from Beethoven's Second. Amazing. <laughs> by Carol Bayer Sager, Jim Zingram, and Cliff Magnus. So and Dolly Parton, I think, performs it right at the uh-huh. show. Um, and that's, I mean, that's really, well, any of these other ones you want to talk about? Any of the, uh, I mean, you know, Jurassic Park going three for three in the crafts, not surprising at all. And I, I feel like the fugitive could have snuck out like one of these craft awards, like maybe sound or something, one of the sound categories, if it were not for Jurassic Park. I think that's true. I will say the, one of the things that made me laugh is when they're talking, I forget who presents editing, but they're like, uh, let me see if I can see here. Hang on. Oh, um, um Oh, Gina Davis yeah. does editing and she talks about how important the editor is and blah, 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 and how it's like one person or whatever. And then she does the nominees and it's like Michael Kahn wins for Schindler's List. Great win. Really emotional speech. Love Rob, this year for West Side Story. Rob, fully Rob. Uh, and then she has the nominees. The Fugitive had one, two, three, four, five, six different editors. Mm-hmm. That's, I've never seen that before in my life. Six editors. Listen, great movie. <laughs> they put uh, it together. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. I mean, Deborah Carr wins a, 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 an honorary Academy Award. Uh, Presented Glenn by Glenn Close. So again, bittersweet because now she's surpassed six-time nominee yes. Deborah Carr who never won a competitive Oscar. So, when will Glenn Close get an honorary Oscar, do you think? I don't know. Well, the other problem is the Academy waits way too long to honor these legends or like these Asian legends. Well, they did Samuel Jackson last year, right? So like, or this year, but when do you think they'll give, I mean, like Glenn Close could conceivably get one in the next like four years, I bet. Yeah, but they already announced this year's class, Diane Warren. 
No, I know not. The, I know they're. Oscar. I feel like they're going down the list. So I feel like they're going to get to Glenn Close. They're like picking off the people who should win Oscars and are just being like Samuel Jackson should obviously have an Oscar. Diane Warren clearly should have an Oscar. Glenn Close should have an Oscar. So I feel like they're just going down the list. It's it's like interesting because like obviously she's had a renaissance in this past decade, you know, having having a, a two decade dry spell. So now she has eight nominations and uh, she. I don't know. I guess maybe people feel like maybe she can still win competitively. I mean, some people have won competitively after, you know, we just saw with Spike. Spike Lee. And I mean, Samuel Jackson could certainly win an Oscar in real life. Yeah, like happened to Paul Newman. Yeah. Um, I I think they'll do Glenn Close in the next like two or three years. How about that? That's my prediction. I don't know. I mean, sometimes like you think like some people are so obvious and then they just don't touch them and then they die. (laughs) You know? So. Um, And then Paul Newman wins the... uh, Herschel a humanitarian award yes. given out by his color of money star Tom Cruise mm-hmm. Tom Cruise really loves him it seems mm-hmm. do you know what I watched last week the color of money no um the screeners for Ethan Hawke's oh yeah how is that documentary uh, they sent five of the six it's interesting because so Paul Newman was had done a whole bunch of interviews for his uh memoir or what would have been his memoir but then it never happened and then he burned the tapes but they still have the transcripts so the whole doc is Ethan Hawke asking all his famous friends to play these people like like George Clooney plays Paul Newman so it's just George Clooney doing voiceover as Paul Newman reading the transcripts oh that's cool yeah and Laura Lenny plays Joanne Joanne Woodward that's awesome yeah Mm -hmm. Hmm. Do you like so, it? I'll check it out. Yeah, it's good. It's it's good. And it's all done, like a lot of it's done over Zoom or most of it, like all of the things, like, cause it, it opens with like a whole montage of him pitching the project to all these people, like Sally Fields in it, all, like Zoe Kazan plays Paul's first wife. And then he has an, it, an interview. It, that's how it kind of runs on the screen. It's like interview with Ethan's daughter, Maya Hawk, your, from your faith, Stranger Things. And Maya, the one who gave, uh, basically like the thesis of the, the docuseries to Ethan because he was he didn't know like what to focus on because he's like it's like two of them like what do I do like should I just do like Paul or like Joanne and she's like oh one thing you told me like when I once asked you for relationship advice was that in a relationship there's a third person because it's the relationship itself because it's like these two people together that's like a whole nother person and then he's like that's what it's going to be about so this is because of my hawk wow <laughs> Love my hog. Look at that. She's having a great year. Um, other uh, So uh, Clint presents Best Director. We could do that quick. We talked about director, but Clint, one of the things I just was like laughing because he's just like kind of a dick. I feel like he, he opens it up and he goes, this is a big surprise. Steven and also there Spielberg. was a cheer before he says Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg for Schindler's List. And so like, do you think Steven thought Oh no, I lost. I actually do. I, I watching it, I actually did. I, that's why I thought he was kind of a jerk because like Steven Spielberg clearly wanted it so badly and like mm-hmm. was expecting to win. And I think that Clint did that it was like kind of like a real F you to him. And like I definitely think he was like, oh, okay, I want you. Yeah, because it's not the same as like like it's time or something. Right. Or 
Or like Alex, your dad just won an Oscar. That what he does. To that one sucked. That one was not good. Sorry, Stephen. Not good. Stephen, that's the one bad thing you've done as a as a creative. You need, you need. We need more. Not everyone can do this, but we need more of like. There's nothing like a Dame Dame Judy Dench. That Alex, your dad won an Oscar. Is worse than 1941 uh, <laughs> in the Steven Spielberg uh, filmography. And then Harrison Ford does Best Picture, which is hilarious because he's. It's, it's, it's such a weird pick because he's because got, he's in the fugitive he's in the fugitive but obviously he's so closely associated with steven spielberg so he's thrilled they have steven a long spielberg. hug they have a long hug and it's like really emotional and it made me think like they clearly tried to generate the same moment again at the well, 1999 yeah, no, that's what when we, when we talked about when because i was like when they had him present best picture and i was like they want this happen again because I remember him presenting it to Schindler's List and you could tell that Harrison Ford really wanted to read Saving Private Ryan. He was pissed. He was definitely <laughs> pissed that uh, Shakespeare and Love won. <laughs> uh, so Joyce, I guess this is it. So that was that was the 1994 Oscars. Uh, great time. I, like I said, this is like one of the best set. After last week's, which was some of the, the worst show, I'd say. Some good winners, but not a great show. This is a really great uh, great show great winners yeah uh because they didn't have a cringe theme like year of the woman the yeah. theme was behind the camera although they didn't really do much to highlight that like i don't think they did anything different to because like even when they did the below the line categories they showed like uh you know some like a short montage like little like clips of the the craftsman's work but they've done that in other ceremonies too one thing I will say, this I read, I wrote this down because I was like, this is the problem with the current show, obviously, and like we had such a fraught experience with like putting the, treating the the eight categories as less than this year. Uh, Liam Neeson giving out sound. He here's what he says: This is the night for people from the back lots and the back rooms to step to the front, and really that should be like the Oscars every year. And I think yeah. that even though it's stupid to do like a theme around that, like Gil Cates is like trying to just find something to hang a hat on for, I, I understand the impulse to do that, like make the show like kind of unified, but like that's the theme of the Oscars every year. And they, this year or the current Oscar leadership would be wise to maybe remember that. Yeah, like these are the biggest nights of, or, of their lives. And these people are not famous. Um, and then you have, you know, Elijah Wood, 12 year old veteran, Elijah Wood eloquently reading, like does not stumble at all about visual effects and how they, you know, created dinosaurs for Jurassic Park, you know? Like he's the total pro. Better than adults, like Stuart. Just watch that presentation. Elijah Wood presenting visual effects. It's pretty great. Uh, Joyce, so we're, we're, we're on our, this is our penultimate episode of this run. We're going to come back and do the, the 2000 Oscars. For the and I already watched that ceremony. 1999, I did not watch it yet. I'm so psyched. And then we're gonna take a break and recalibrate and come up with like a, a smaller run probably of a, uh, 2000s ceremonies perhaps perhaps we'll see i mean we're if, if we go into 2000s we're not gonna have inside oscar so sad. no but we'll just have our own remembrances and memories and i don't read <laughs> so it's fine. i will not be you'll be behind you'll be behind i won't i'm, I'm still i'm i'm just as behind now as, then as i would be now so it's totally fine all right joyce uh we'll be back to do 1999 films and 2000 oscars uh but thank you this is fun bye <laughs> For all things Hollywood competition and awards, head to goldderby.com. Follow us on social media at Gold Derby.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.